This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day. How am I supposed to stay in a world built on empty ways and the lessons of all the Thanks for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Rob Snoy, broadcasting live from the kitchen on the new laptop. This is Series 2, Episode 42. We're going to catch up with Reba Brinkman. We're going to discuss her move from North Carolina out west. We're going to discuss fly fishing in Cuba. Then we're going to round it off with a funny talk about the Western North Carolina Fly Fishing Show. And as of now, I'm pretty sure I'm going. I don't think the rest of the family is. So if you're listening to this and you want to go down to the North Carolina Fly Fishing Show in the western part of North Carolina, which is why it's called the Western North Carolina Fly Fishing Show, please listen to details. And next up on the podcast should be Pat Cohen. I think we're actually recording tonight. I need to follow up on that. All right. Let's go talk to Reba. So where are so last time we skyped well un, unofficially Somerset but uh, a year ago we were discussing the Western North Carolina show mm-hmm. and you were in North Carolina yes I was in Asheville North Carolina and you are no longer there I moved yeah 
I, I moved. I moved cross country. I now live in Bozeman, Montana. Wow. So what brought you to Bozeman from Asheville other than fishing? Uh, well, the, the long short story is, uh, I, I've been coming to Bozeman for the past five years or to Montana, I should say, and been fishing out here, taking fishing vacations. Uh, it started five years ago when my mom passed away. Um, you know, before, before she actually passed, uh, we were, my brother and I were sitting in, um, her hospital room and, and we we're kind of discussing, you know, cremation and, and whatnot. And she said, you know, I want you guys to put my ashes wherever you want me, you know, wherever you envision home. And my brother and I looked at each other and we said, Montana, like at the same time, I had never even been to Montana at that point, but I just knew that Montana was something special. So came out here, found the place, you know, put her ashes here and it's just felt like home from that very first visit. So five years later, you know, a series of events happened, like life-changing events that happened. And um, I was in a position where I can move comfortably, you know, to wherever I wanted. And so without question, I moved to Bozeman. And I've been here since July. How long were you in North Carolina? I was there for a little over 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And I moved from, uh, from Colorado. So I've always been like, I've always loved the West. I mean, that's always been home to me. Um, but I didn't want to go back to Colorado. I feel like I'd already done that. So I wanted some wide open plains and big blue skies and giant brown trout. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So did you drive everything out there? Did you send it in a truck? I packed a U-Haul. And I got a, a car hauler. And so I, I basically cleaned out, you know, 10 years worth of a household. Uh, my house sold, when I put it on the market, it sold within two weeks. So it was pretty quick. Um, so I just got rid of everything except for, you know, fishing gear and, you know, essential stuff. And, yeah, I, I just, I literally signed my closing documents uh, went to U-Haul, which I had already had my truck packed, and um, put my car on the hauler and and took off that night. And it took me four days to travel cross country. And the further the further I was getting, the closer I was getting to Montana, it it I could I can't explain how right it felt. Uh, in a very very unique moment, um, when I crossed from uh, Wyoming into the Montana border. The song from Robert Earl Keane came on. It was uh, "Feeling Good Again," and that literally was my song that I that I when I was going through my divorce and you know all the stuff I was going through. That was the song. It was like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this and I'm gonna feel good again. So that song literally came on as soon as I crossed, and from that moment on, it was like I am finally home, and this is where I belong. If I were to throw a dart at Montana, where would it land to be closest to you? Uh, Bo- if I'm look, looking at like, like – oh, yeah, so where's, where's Bozeman on the map? So Bozeman, we're in the south – what is it? Southwest corner. So I can I can tell you the rivers. Um, you know, it, Bozeman's uh, a town of about 50,000 people. It's not huge. 
Uh, Asheville was a uh, hundred about, so it's about half the size of Asheville. It's surrounded by, you know, the, obviously the mountains, but the rivers are the Gallatin, Yellowstone, um, the Madison, of course, you know, those are kind of our big rivers that all the creeks uh, flow into. So that's, I chose this place specifically because I do like those rivers in particular. Um, and I, that's kind of been my focus every time I've traveled out here was to kind of go to different places in the Southwest area. Bozeman, you know, it's moving out here by myself. You know, I kind of wanted uh, something a little familiar and I kind of needed amenities, you know, so I wouldn't, you know, just be stuck in the woods somewhere trying to figure it out. So it's easily, you can access all these different rivers from Bozeman. Um, and there's an airport here. And let's face it, I I kind of have a travel bug. So I needed needed airplanes to like get to the yeah. places that I that I long for. So what is it about those three rivers that you like that would are like magnetic to you that 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 you seek them out? Hmm. You know, I I've had some really good days on the Madison. Um it it has been um, it, it was a few years ago, I took my little sister out, you know, I treated her to a float trip with the slide-in guys, uh, Kelly Gallup Shaw. And so we fished, you know, he's right on the Madison. So we fished that section and it was September 11th. I'll never forget it. And my little sister is new to fly fishing. So, you know, she was having a great day and we we're kind of just sitting in the boat and, you know, catching fish. It was great. Eating lunch where it was dead silence. And this bald eagle <laughs> comes out of nowhere and just like, just kind of drops from the sky and climbing the river right in front of us and then takes off. And, and uh, we all just looked at each other and we're like, that was very appropriate. And we just kind of had this moment of silence for the world, you know, remembering September 11th. And, and those types of experiences and in, in, in different ways, it happens on these rivers for me. I don't know how else to explain it, but every time I'm on the river, there's just something that happens. It's like, wow, this is, this is a really special place. Um, there's been times when I've had like moose cross in front of the boat. Uh, it's just, you know, you're scared, but it's really awesome. <laughs> like you're just in awe of this magnificent creature in front of you. And it makes you feel small, you know, it, Montana makes you feel small, and which is more important that you take care of your resources, your natural resources here. Um, it's, you know, it's a place where there is a lot of wildlife, and the fish are wild, and the water's clean and clear, and and people are super passionate about keeping it that way. And that's another reason why I do like the rivers in this area is because there's. There's a lot of uh, organizations that, that strive to protect um, the area. So let's let's discuss then, uh, like the, the east versus west. So what? Uh, so the water is it clear? Uh, is it clear out east? This is kind of like a AP English compare to contrast the fishing <laughs> conditions of western North Carolina to southwestern Montana. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard to compare. It's you know, it's it's not apples to apples. Like, yeah, the fishing here um, 
you got wide open rivers, obviously. So your back cast doesn't get hooked in trees? Not always. I mean, there's definitely some tight spots um, that, you know, the willows will take your fly happily. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is, there's, it's big water, uh, which is nice. And so you kind of have to break it down. Um, now, I will say that fishing in the east where you have a lot of small creeks, especially like the high altitude, like native rookie streams, um, you have to fish in tight spaces. And so on the big waters, I've been able to translate like fishing like a small run, like picking the river apart, like as if it's 20 different streams. And once you pick it apart, like I feel like I've taken the skills that I acquired back east and I've applied them to, you know, fishing bigger water, you know, and that's kind of, that's basics. Like you hear people talking about it all the time. But for me, it was the first time where I was like, this is how you have to fish it. And it wasn't just go to the creek and catch some fish like you do out east, especially in the stocked rivers. Uh, But, you know, eastern fishing for me became very technical. That was the exciting part of it. I think we spoke about that last time. Um, Like the South Holston River has to be kind of fished a a specific way. And, And here, you know, you can apply those same tactics, though it's not the norm. You know, it's... I know a lot of people that are, you know, dry fly or die, and um, I'm glad that I've had that well-rounded experience of fishing the more technical waters of the east, and I've applied them here, and of course, there it works. Did you have to purchase any different gear, longer rods, heavier rods? I, I'm having a hard time breaking up with my five weights, because the six weight definitely is a better tool for the job here. Um, and I've, it's, my rods are very special to me and I feel like I have a relationship with each of them. So, you know, kind of hanging that five weight up on the wall and saying, okay, you know, you're not going to be my go-to anymore. Um, that's, that's the only big change streamer fishing. I'm still using my seven weight with the sinking line that hasn't changed at all. Um, you know, my musky rod is definitely, (laughs) It's hanging up on the wall. I'm not using it out here. Um, There are small creeks here that I can use my four and fives, but I tend to, uh, this summer I've tend to focus on the bigger rivers. So the six weight and the seven weight definitely have seen a lot more play than, than they did back East. Are you throwing dry flies? Uh, I can't remember. You were either only wet or only dry fly. Yeah. I'm on the East coast. I haven't been much of a dry fly angler in the past decade. Uh, and honestly this year we had, we had a really hot summer in Bozeman or in Montana. Um, we had some fire issues for sure. Uh, it was dry and we didn't have good water. Like we didn't have good water levels. So, um, I traveled a ton this summer which I'm sure we'll talk about that because there's some exciting stuff there. Uh, so I didn't I didn't fish as hard as I thought I was going to in the area because of the low water. Um, when the rivers get you know 65 degrees, I don't I don't care if fish are rising. Like I'm not going to fish to those fish. I mean, they're compromised enough. So I didn't do any dry fly fishing. Um, the fishing I did do was predominantly streamer fishing. I mean, it's the most fun and. That's what excites me. So 
the times I went out. Yeah, I kind of focused on that. Um, though George Daniel was out here, and I did take a Czech nymphing class with, or Euro nymphing class with him. That's, That's technical. That stuff is beyond my comprehension. You know, he really breaks it down and makes it approachable. And um, I've been using his technique, techniques a little bit. It needs to be practiced for sure. Um, but it's, you know, his leader system is brilliant. So that, that I have been doing some nymphing, but I'll... Do you want to discuss his... For those who haven't checked out his books, what are his leader systems? I won't even begin to explain. Buy his book and uh, find out for yourself. <laughs> there we go. His uh, now, speaking of dynamic of nymphing, books, that's the book. Yeah, are, are you employed in the industry still? Currently, I am just affiliated with the WNC Fly Fishing Expo. Okay. So, no, not yet. <laughs> I really, really planned on playing all summer. and. It's good for you. It's been good. And so after I get back from the expo uh, in December, then I will start looking for employment. Um, all right. So I still want to compare and contrast East versus West. Okay. We might inspire people to move out there. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm going to get in trouble for an influx of people. Right. <laughs> it's Rob's uh, fault. Yeah. So have you tried any of those? specific Western North Carolina flies. There was that yellow something or other. The yellow hammer. Um, no, I, I haven't. Um, that, because those, I mean, those are dry flies. Um, I have caught some fish on. So, um, what's that split, that split case, uh, yellow Sally nymph, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen any shops carry it out here. The specific one we use on the South Holston. I've caught some fish on that. That was fun. It's kind of like the, you, the east-west handshake. Yeah. What what streamers are you throwing out there on a seven weight? Uh, Stuff that we probably haven't even heard of yet? No, I wouldn't say that. Like, I'm I'm a big Kelly Gallup fan, so I'm throwing Sex Dungeons. And uh, he has um, – actually, Doug McKnight has a fly called the Home Invader. And that's been very successful for me this year. Um, in particular, like the, the natural kind of tannish color, you know, if I'm, if I'm in a slump, I'll usually throw that one on and I, you know, I've hooked up consistently on it. So that's, that's been new. Cause that kind of just came out, I think not that long ago. Like I think, uh, one of the manufacturers is, you know, carrying it now. So, uh, but the articulated streamers, you know, deer hair, I try not to fish a lot of weighted flies. I, I'm a fan of weighting my line, not my flies. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I just go through kind of the color wheel depending on the day. All right. Um, well, I had a question to piggyback on that. Oh, so we had this documentary shown at Orvis last week, Down the Hatch. Mm -hmm. And there was one about... Um, underground streamers <laughs> being sold along the rivers out there by some guy named seven weight. Yeah. Have you been hearing about him? <laughs> I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds like some sketchy stuff. I know it's really sketchy, really sketchy, but you know, I'm not going to tell you where I, I get these things. Okay. We're not going to yeah, talk his, about it. His water moccasin fly was enormous. <laughs> he was also tying up some Crelexes, which is kind of an East coast fly. It is. Yeah. I was surprised to see those in the shop here, actually. Out there, right. 
Uh, I think is Montana Fly carrying them now? MFCs. I'm not sure. I think picked up Chuck Chuck Craft. I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I've been out of the business for a while. <laughs> yes, plain. I've, had, I've been actually so, fishing and not working, which is very different. Do you have to do you have to make friends with drift boat owners out there uh, to get some of the other water? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, it helps to have friends with drift boats. Um, but it also helps if my rowing skills were a little more tight. I would probably have more friends with drift boats if I knew how to row. Um, but I'm getting better. I'm practicing. Um, I had it crazy when I first moved here. I ran into a friend of mine that I knew in Asheville, and we had lost touch. Uh, we were both sitting on the Trout Unlimited board in Asheville like four years ago, and he he had moved. I think he moved to Wyoming or something. But um, I wasn't here but four days, and I ran into him, and we were both like, you know, what are you doing here? Um, so it was really nice to connect with him. He has a boat. And he's been so kind to let me row every time we go out. Yeah. I, I No one ever volunteers to row my boat. So <laughs> I never get to fish. off. I, I get to fish off at once a year. The snakehead tournament. But then I did trade a 10 foot six weight with a friend who moved to Colorado for his trolling motor. And I can control that with my leg while I maneuver my drift boat around lakes. So <laughs> nice. I do get to fish a little bit. I think we're going to take my boat out to the sewage outflows this weekend. Wow. Where DC dumps all of its uh, purified doo-doo. So that's kind of a conversation that we don't have out here in the West. So there's there's a good example of something I don't hear in Montana is we're going to go fish the sewage stream. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of big goldfish in there right now, like one and a half, two pounders. Ugh. They like the warm water. Of course. And the, probably the estrogen, too. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've only been out there for, you know, you haven't seen, like, full turn of seasons. Are people, is it, like, slowed down now? Like, the, the gapers are going away for the end of the fall, and it's just going to be the locals there's, until ski season? There's definitely, I mean, in Bozeman, there's a, you know, resident population, which is nice. Uh but yeah, you know, you kind of see people slowing down. Hunting is huge out here, um, obviously. So elk, elk and deer, um, you know, upland bird. So it's 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 really cool because the culture, you know, it's like fishing season. Kind of, it just filters out. You know, it, you know shops are, you know, reducing their staff, and you know, lodges are closing up. But then there's this fervent kind of these hunters that are like, all right, I got to get my elk. I got to go get my elk. And it's just, it's really cool. Like people just really live off the land and, uh, it's, it's nice to have kind of that balance too. And it's great for me because when I am fishing, you know, it's not as crowded on the river though wearing blaze orange and, you know, fishing a river isn't my, uh, attire of choice. We have, um, urban hunting programs here to weed out the deer in the parks. Mm -hmm. And, and those are also the parks where the trout are stocked for the fall and winter. So they don't say wear blaze orange, but I would suggest people doing that. Yeah. I would agree, especially when it's rifle season, you know, I was uh, fishing the Yellowstone last week 
And, you know, I shouldn't say I was fishing it. I was attempting to fish it. And I was in central, I was in the central part of the state a couple hours from here. And, you know, I had my waders on, I had my jacket, you know, I had my stocking cap and I was walking to the river and it's in this kind of wildlife preserve or this wildlife access where you can hunt. And there was four trucks and they all had, you know, I all, I knew they were all there for deer and rifle season had just opened up. And I had to make a decision like, okay, you're going to be walking in a field to get to the river where there's four groups of hunters that are looking for deer and you're kind of dressed like one right now. And so <laughs> put my tail between my legs and walked back well, up to they, the house. If they had seen that, they would have shot you if you had a tail. <laughs> totally. I always yeah. wear a tail when I fish. You don't. We actually found on Halloween, uh, my daughter and I found some kind of costume tail, <laughs> like in the grass, just trick or treating. <laughs> and at first I was going to put it under the bed and then have like 5X tippet to the other side. So when my wife came back from out of the country after Halloween, I would like twitch it and she'd be like, holy crap, there's a raccoon under the bed. <laughs> and now my daughter just walks around with it, wearing it because it like clips onto your clothes. That's, that's really funny. Yeah. And then the dog tries to take it from her because it's like a plush stuffed animal to him. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy household. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so streamers are pretty big out there, we talked about. It's what I prefer. Uh, it's my drug of choice. Yeah. Are you tying any or are you buying them uh, off of, of people? I am buying them. I haven't. I moved all my tying stuff out here, um, but I've really taken a break from tying probably in the past year. I've just had so much going on and. Uh, I don't, I don't have a problem buying flies. Like to me, uh, I'd like to support the tires that, <laughs> that are trying to hawk their, their flies. So, you know, I, I like going into the fly shop and seeing what they got and trying new things. Um, tying, are there a lot of tying. local patterns that people are like, are tying up and selling exclusively to shops there? I do see more local tires in the shops for sure. And that's really cool to see. Uh, I was at River's Edge here in town the other day, and um, actually the squirmy wormy. <laughs> we oh always have to talk about the squirmy. Um, there was, uh, you know, they had some in there, but they were tied like in a way that, you know, I had never seen before. And I was like, ah, oh, the squirmy wormy, and the guy's like, yeah, we get we get those from a guy out of Billings. That's all he ties. So you you see that quite a bit, like you know, they're the shops are. Uh, willing to purchase direct from the tires, which is, it's just cool. Yeah. I've got to do, I think 50 steelhead flies for New York for somebody this weekend. It's going to be a continuation, like 50 flies once a month Ooh, for somebody. Wow. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Just putting on some other people's podcast and sitting here in the office and Cranking out some flies. I'd rather tie steelhead flies than anything else. Yeah. It's just the colors. Colors of them are just awesome. And the material. It's so unique and beautiful. I agree. Yeah. Um, So are yoga pants banned in Montana or did that fall through? Well, it fell through, but it was only beige yoga pants. Oh. Yeah. That was the key component. There was a woman at Target like two years ago. And she had beige, yeah, and it looked like she was naked. And she's not the kind of woman you want to see naked. There are definitely some women you're like, I wish I had my x-ray glasses on that they sold in Boys Life magazine. Yeah. But um, 
we honestly thought she was naked. Yeah. So which I <laughs> in two, 1999, no, 2000, I think it was 2000. There was a girl I worked with, which is really hot. And we went out to a bar for Halloween. I was dressed as Indiana Jones. And she went as a flasher. She had on a beige leotard. I mean, absolutely flesh colored. And then she had two baby bottles up top. The nipples stuck to her. And then she had carpet for the crotch. (laughs) And it honestly looked like she was naked. And she had a trench coat over it. (laughs) It's just funny that this is a fly fishing podcast. And and we just talk about everything. I love it. (laughs) That's the point. Um, so how, how's the beer out there? I know, uh, I hear about moose drool a lot. Yep. I believe moose drool's up out of Missoula. Um, Bozeman has a nice, we have, I think seven or eight breweries in town and, uh, it's great beer. You know, I came from beer city USA, so, you know, and I'm not a beer snob. I'm kind of like, I don't know, kind of like dry fly fishing. Like I don't, I don't do that. Like I, I stick with my IPAs. And I judge a brewery on how good their IPAs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good breweries here. And it seems that they all have a fly fishing theme or connection. It's it, like fly fishing is such the commonality here um, from like everything, like local art. I mean, just fly fishing just runs through this whole area. So the beer, you know, there's always these ties to. Uh, fishing, which is really cool. Have you found your equivalent to Charleston yet? No. Some place that you, you that's like going to be your go-to. Like I'm taking the weekend off. I'm going there. Uh, not yet. Well, no. You, I spent some time have- in Idaho, and that was that was an awesome experience. So I'm looking forward to exploring Idaho more. Um, but you know, I, I really like it. This is a big move for me, for anybody. And I've been really kind of ignorant and curious and taking things slow and just really trying to settle in. So I haven't had the itch to really travel too far out of this area. Well, besides Cuba. <laughs> yes. Oh no, you gave it away already. Oh, you we'll get delete, there, kids. delete that part. <laughs> Okay, so shoot, I just had a question. Um, did you watch the Anthony Bourdain Charleston episode from this past week? I have not. No, it, it was amazing. <laughs> My wife's like, we got to get back down there. I said, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, I. It, you, you could trade real oysters for Rocky Mountain ones. <laughs> I did have oysters here from the Pacific Northwest. So when I first Ooh. moved here, I. Went and got my fishing license, and I was like, I'm going to go to this fish restaurant, which is kind of an oxymoron here, yeah. seafood. Um, and they, But they had Pacific Northwest uh, oysters, and so had my Moscow mule and my half dozen oysters, and I was like, you know what? I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Um, yeah, I've always wondered, why, is it, why are not other restaurants called land food? <laughs> Maybe you're onto something. I've been thinking, like, if yeah. I start my own business, what could it be? Maybe I need to open land up food. a land food food truck. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, how about hatches? You're not fishing streamers, but uh, are the bugs different? I know you probably got some big old stoneflies out there. Yes, giant stoneflies. Those are 
Those are neat. I I did move here in July, so I missed all the quintessential big hatches. Like I missed the salmon fly. Uh, you know, the hopper season, I wasn't really around for that. I was kind of traveling about. Um, I haven't seen any amazing hatches. You know, you see these pictures where guys are just carpeted by blue-winged olives. Like, I haven't seen anything like that yet. Um, but I believe that that's going to happen kind of going into spring next year. I think I'll see a lot more. You know, when I got here in July, it was literally over 100 degrees in Bozeman. I've that's not never, good. ever knew it got that hot here. Uh, so, yeah, so I didn't see anything amazing. But they exist. Like, I remember when I was a kid, we went out to the Tetons, and the grill of our rental car was just like grasshopper, like heads and guts and legs and wings. <laughs> and just before I was really into the fly fishing, I didn't really like, oh, I got to go get a grasshopper pattern. I just went down to the lake and threw rocks at the fish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, there are some, some bigger bugs out west. They're really big. And it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of cool because that's not something that I've, would ever, have, I mean, I would throw big bugs to bass, but I just, it just wasn't on the radar for trout. And, you know, there's kind of the, the quintessential guide setup is they call it the chub and the rub. And the chub is the chubby Chernobyl. And then you drop a, you know, Pat's rubber leg underneath it. Yep. And it's kind of, you know, just kind of like the standard. And uh, I haven't tried it yet, but that's, yeah, people are fishing yeah, that's now. Be a summer. Big chubby Chernobyl to float a Pat's rubber leg. I know they're huge. Um, they're like just massive, like cruise ships. Yeah, going down the um, water. So, our our fishy manager Art was out with Tim Linehan a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or so. Caught the biggest freaking bull trout. It was like twenty two pounds. Oh my gosh! And uh, I think it was on a streamer, but Art loves the chubby Chernobyls. Yeah. <laughs> And junk food. <laughs> I did a podcast with them earlier in the summer, and I got them a six-pack of the hard root beers and because they're full of sugar, and he was like a pig in feces. <laughs> I bring him all the like all the Halloween candy my daughter can't eat. I just bring to Art at the store, and he sits there and eats like nerds on a rope and Laffy Taffy. And, <laughs> yeah, he's like a pig in slop. That's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, and also, okay, last question I have for Montana. I'm sure we can think of other things, but uh, stream access, is it easier to get on the water out there than back here? You know, I'm not going to speak too much on that because I'm I'm still learning. Um, you know, there was a, uh, there was an article I read in the fall magazine of this, you know, outside Bozeman and it was quite interesting because it, you might've seen it on social media. This guy that wrote this article about um, how this landowner was limiting access or trying to limit access to a section of the Ruby river. And, you know, it kind of, it's, it's been kind of this huge battle in Montana for, you know, stream access and, you know, private, private landowners. Um, but he ends up getting fired. He was a writer for ducks unlimited he ends up getting fired from Ducks Unlimited because Landover was a big Ducks Unlimited supporter. And so it became this huge, like, kind of controversy. And, um, 
you know, people were talking about it and that, that kind of got me thinking like, okay, there's a lot of this stuff happening and I need to start paying more attention to it. Cause you, when you don't live in a place, you kind of read about it and you're like, Oh, that sucks. But now that I'm here, like it's something that I need to just pay attention to out of respect for landowners, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, to also keep, you know, the right to fish our natural resources, you know, you got to stay abreast of that so that everybody wins. Got to keep them happy. Keep them happy. Uh, All right. So let's move on. Let's talk about Cuba. Cuba. Cuba from, from Montana to Cuba. That's a far, far plane ride. A couple of plane rides. (laughs) A few plane rides. Yeah. Was this a bucket list destination? No, it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, I've just kind of, yeah, like I've just kind of just been saying yes to cool things. Um, I was fishing the Madison and uh, I had been planning kind of the dream Montana fly fishing trip. And it was a big birthday for me this year, the big four. So 29 years old. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to just splurge and I'm going to do this kind of solo fly fishing trip around the state. You know, I worked so hard to get here. Might as well focus on that. Well, my birthday's in August and it's really hot in August. And so I'm planning this trip to go to like, you know, six different lodges around the area and, you know, stay for a few days on, at each one. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm spending all this money and all this time to fish when it's hot and it's just not prime season. And so I had the opportunity to, I was given the opportunity, like, well, maybe Alaska or maybe Cuba. And you're like, hmm, salmon flavored vodka or (laughs) rum. Yeah, and I was like, I was sitting in my waders. Job. I I'll never forget. I'm sitting in my waders. My legs are crossed. I'm sitting like leaned up against a rock, and I was like, you know what, Cuba. I'm like, book it. Just tell me where to be. And uh, I guess we'll say you went with the uh, the company we don't we don't associate with on the podcast. Okay. Well, they had the they had the opportunity <laughs> to they they fully had the opportunity to go off on the podcast and explain Cuba and fly fishing and, and, and basically explain the trip you're taking. Um, they opted not to, not in the nicest way, but we'll put that behind us. And I want to hear about, you went from a rock to a flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, it was totally last minute. I literally booked it a month before I left. Um, and, you know, I will recommend, no matter what company you choose to use, I do recommend that you find an agency that's familiar with Cuba because it's pretty overwhelming um, still. Like, I mean, obviously things are changing every day, but it's like I had to fly through Mexico City and, you know, there's visas, there's um, there's just things you need to know that makes the trip that much more uh, successful. And if I didn't have, if I had to do it on my own, I would... <laughs> I would be somewhere in Mexico lost. I guarantee it. It's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, so, long plane ride. No, it wasn't long, actually. It wasn't too bad. And then, so Cuba, I mean, some of you don't know this, but it's been like the playground for Europe for the last 50-something years. Just not as easily accessible for 
Americans. Well, we weren't allowed. To, right. I hesitate to use the word Yanks. I use that when I refer to the U.S. men's national soccer team. But, uh, yeah, that's not a term really we, we use with, uh, I don't know. I'm not that deep in the South, but it's not, Yankee is not really a, a positive term you'd use. But Yanks were not really going there. So the fishing's already been established. They know where the, it's not like they just discovered the stuff three years ago mm-hmm. and they know the flats, they know where the fish will be and when, and they're, I guess, so you stayed in a lodge? I stayed in a liveaboard. Um, I stayed in a liveaboard actually. Um, it's quite, it was quite awesome. Uh, I, so I went to Mexico city, stayed the night, had a little adventure there, uh, and then flew from Mexico city to Havana. Now you stay a night in Havana. This well, this is how my trip was set up. I stayed a night in Havana, which Havana, if you haven't been there, it's just it's alive, it's vibrant. The people are amazing, welcoming, um, very friendly. And I will say, I never felt more safe in a dis- in a another country. Like I was walking the streets at night by myself and felt totally at ease. Like it just is the friendliest place I've been to in a long time. So Stay the night in Havana, four o'clock in the morning, um, Avalon Charters, that's the, the Cuba agency, um, they pick you up by bus and they have 18 different boats throughout kind of wow. these uh, areas. And so you're on a bus, but you're not necessarily with the group that you're staying with, like you are, but there's other people. Um, and Avalon does diving, scuba diving charters as well. So you're mixed with fly fishers and scuba divers. Um, so four o'clock in the morning, they pick everyone up. It's a th- six and a half hour bus ride to the port where you get on this ship. And then it's another three hour boat ride to the liveaboard. And so you're literally staying on like, like a 12 cabin um, like bars, fully, fully, <laughs> fully functional kitchens and fully staffed, fully functional. Um, but you're, you're like, I didn't step on land. You know, there was days where I didn't step on land at all. Uh, you're on the boat. You're in the skiff. You're like Waterworld with uh, <laughs> whatever his name was. Yeah, best Kevin movie, Costner, best movie ever. <laughs> yeah, who who makes costumes out of grouper skin? <laughs> Crazy people. Seriously. Come on. So I mean. This sounds like an amazing vacation regardless of the fishing as of just traveling, walking around town, boat rides to another boat. Yeah, yeah. Fishing sounds like the icing on the cake. You know, it It was, I mean, I went for the fishing, uh, of course, but it. there was so many incredible like moments that I had out there where the, the fishing became the byproduct. It was like, okay, I just got a tarpon, awesome holy crap, look at that over there. You know, there's a, you know, just, it, it was just magical. Um, and to be in a place that seems untouched, you know, I mean, people, yeah, they've fished there, but it, there's, there's this pristineness to Cuba and to where we were, uh, that it's just clean. Un, just untouched by mass amounts of people going there and Totally. Like you're, you're just in the pressured in the middle of nowhere. I mean, the water was like, uh, it was like mercury smooth. Like it, there was this richness to it that was so, it was like water I've never seen before. And, 
and just vibrant fish. You know, I mean, we were catching, I mean, people go for, you know, the three, the bonefish, the tarpon, and the permit, but the <laughs> the barracuda and the snapper and the jacks and um, sea turtles and dolphins and sharks. There's lemon sharks everywhere. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. I, I can't. I can't stop smiling when I think about it. Like it just for seven days, I was totally emerged into a different world. What was the night sky like? It was full of stars, so extremely black because there's no light pollution out there. Um, bright with stars. One night we experienced a lightning storm in the distance and it, probably was the most incredible lights show I've ever seen. And so here you are in the distance, you can hear the thunder, you can hear the lightning crack, but it's nowhere near you. And the whole sky just lit up, like just flash after flash. And so with every flash, you're seeing, you know, the outline of the clouds and the clouds are moving because it's, you know, it's a rolling storm. And it was like every flash just gave you kind of a different art piece. Like it was, it was art. And who I was staying with, you know, there's 12 guys on this ship and, or 11 guys and and me, (laughs) and I didn't know any of them uh, prior to the trip. So we're all sitting there and it was as if we were a family. Like we just, we all got along really well, but we all were experiencing this together. And we all kind of mentioned it too. We're like, wow, like, I don't even know your last name or your background, but I kind of feel like your family right now. Do you keep in touch with any of them now? Uh, yes. Well, kind of kind of a weird thing happened. You know, 4 o'clock in the morning when the bus picks us up, uh, you know, I walk down to the lobby and get on the bus. And, you know, I was a little nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And I see this kind of older gentleman, you know, sitting a few rows up from me. And I said, I got up and I said, I walked up to him and I said, Frank? Captain Frank Rhodes, and he looks at me, and he's like, Reba, what are you doing here? And I said, Frank, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm hosting a trip on the Tortuga, you know, a fishing trip. You know, these are all my buddies here. And I look around, and I'm like, I'm staying on that boat, too. So out of 19 boats, here's this wow. guy that I know uh, through the fly shop, you know, through Hunter Banks, um, that's been to my expo a bunch. Uh, here he is, like, you know, so we ended up, you know, that was a really nice connection because he's a really fishy guy. It's fish all over the world. Um, really nice, great gentleman. And so he introduced me to his guys and we were just, we just all got along. So yeah, I'm here in Cuba and I run into somebody I know, like that never happens. But I'm really glad that he was there because he just really made the trip fun for all of us. Um, he's a great storyteller, you know. It's really neat experience. How was the food? Uh, we pretty much ate fresh lobster every day. <laughs> I don't know what that's like because I'm allergic to them. It's pretty awesome. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> the food was great. The food was great. Uh, lots of fresh fruit, which was nice, like papayas and mangoes. and. Oh. Uh, that was that was such a treat because it was hot, you know, it was hot and humid there. And so for lunch every day, I just ate, you know, fresh fruit and it was 
you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's not like you can run to the store when you're out of something. Uh, but Avalon really took care of us. You know, the, the kitchen staff were just, I mean, they just knew what they were doing. And so what was that? Is that a moose <laughs> growling? <laughs> no, but it was a massive truck going down the road. <laughs> okay. Typical. You won't hear anything from my office. We just have Jim and Bonnie next door. They're pretty quiet. She's even more quiet because she's got one of those um, injury boot things on her foot, and she doesn't get out much. Well, not that long I ago. Like- it was like a month ago. The Sand Hill crane migration was coming through, and there's this little pond um, in front, or like in like I can see off the deck, and the sound of the Sand Hill cranes was so loud. It, you could hear it like you can hear it in in my in my house and i just opened the door and listened to it cuz it was so like just loud and and wild it was really cool and then of course we you know we have truck noise all the time i hope they don't get hit by the the trucks those cranes those are that's a big bird that's like a you know like a emu walking around almost height wise not girth they're huge their wingspan is amazing yeah, we see them on the South Platte in mm-hmm. uh, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Freaking enormous. Yeah, really cool. Really cool to see them in flight in mass. Do, pe- do, do people still eat those? I don't know. I seem to remember like a National Geographic where people were like eating sandhill cranes out west. Well, I know that in we were talking about we were talking about the blue herons in North Carolina. And a buddy They're of so obnoxious. a buddy of mine said that one day out of the year you're allowed to hunt them, and they're they call them the ribeye in the sky because their meat really? tastes like ribeyes. So I can imagine the sandhill crane might be the same, but I don't know if you could actually hunt for them. I know a couple guys are are really waiting for blue heron feathers to be able to be used in tying. I guess there's something some bird rule you can't use blue heron. Hmm. I don't know, I don't know but they're not the what the ones out here. Are just they're mean. They knock each other off rocks and like they'll steal each other's fish. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not people like. They sound oh, like look, pterodactyls a- as they scare the living crap out of you. Yeah, pterodactyls <laughs> freak me out. Totally. Yeah, no, we did have an owl land in the tree by our house the other night. We were by the fire pit, absolutely silent. This thing just came out of nowhere and just. Sat, that thing was, it was a great horned owl. I think it was like two feet tall. It's huge. Yeah. Owls are pretty cool, actually. You can hear them because there's, there's a lot of woods. I mean, we're like suburbia. So a lot of deer, a lot of owls, a lot of tree frogs. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, the, the tree frogs out here are amazing at night when it rains. Yes. Uh, you know, before I left North Carolina, I really wanted to hear that one last time, and um, they weren't out by the time I left. But I was watching a movie the other day, and they're doing a scene in the woods in Virginia, and they had the tree frogs in the background. And it was the first time since I moved here that I missed something in the East. I mean, besides my cousin, of course, but the tree what frogs. About, what about- don't you miss the grits? They, they don't have grits out there, do they? No, because Rob, I'm a, I'm a pretty good cook. <laughs> um, I can make really good grits. And I got invited me. It's called polenta out here, but it's the same thing. 
Yeah. Um, I got invited to a party where uh, the Tennessee Bulls were playing. And it was all these Southern uh, folks that have all lived here now. And my buddy um, had some, what did he have? He had some duck. And he's like, Reba, can you do something with this? And I was like, okay, I'm going to, they're all Southern people. I'm going to do barbecue chipotle or blueberry chipotle barbecue sauce with the duck. And I'm going to do cheese grits on the side. I would punish that. It was delicious. And so all the Southern guys were just like, those are Southern grits. And so I was like, yes, I'm not going to miss those. Yeah, I'm probably going to make grits for my in-laws when they come in next week. Um, I'm not sure how Russians take grits at all. We'll find out. I was going to do grits, uh, biscuits, and gravy for breakfast with like poached eggs. Perfect. And the, being Russians, they're probably going to be very confused. Just give them, you sh- give them vodka. It'll be fine. You should have seen when I made them a quesadilla. They were beyond confused. They didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> it was It was pretty funny. <laughs> Like I could probably have a YouTube channel of just like feeding my in-laws things that are not Russian. Like I, ma- I made them chili, and they they couldn't eat it. They said it was there. Were, there was too many seasonings. Well, do you know what a cholo is? You know, like a Mexican gangster. Yeah, like cholitas. Like cholos. Yeah, cholos. Cholitas. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, the cholitas. They got the eyebrows with sharpies. And- right, sharpie eyebrows. So there was like a Buzzfeed on cholos eating like organic food. <laughs> And it was it was brilliant. It was really funny, like watching them eat quinoa. And <laughs> it was great. That's what it reminds them, me of it. Did they give them man buns too? Oh my gosh! What is what's going on with the man buns? Like I, well, I today, can't stand it. I can't. There, there are now fedoras, mini fedoras that you can put on your man bun. Uh, I went to a Charlie Parr concert out here. And there's no hipsters in, Bo- in Bozeman. There's none. Gosh, you move there. Right? So then I go to this Charlie Parr. Charlie Parr is totally neutral. And I'm seeing man buns on every other fish bum guide that's there. Ugh. And I'm somebody like, re- no, this can't be happening. Was somebody recording the show with a phonograph? <laughs> like, oh, I'm totally going to get a soundboard with my phonograph. And then. <laughs> the phonograph app? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Like he's cranking, cranking the wheel to make it go around. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My, my brother-in-law was in San Francisco. Well, they're out in San Francisco and there was a guy on the, the BART, their public transportation with one of those old fashioned bicycles. And it took up like the entire like car because the, fr- the front wheel is five feet tall. Yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah, we don't have that out here. It's kind of nice. I don't get it. <laughs> but we have man buns. Man buns have invaded montana and we got to put a stop to it scissors <laughs> scissors oh yeah. terrible turn off of 2015 man buns yeah i saw a lot in, in manhattan this week last year i was like this is just boy. okay so man bun and yoga pants on a man Ew. worst nightmare ever yeah, it's gotta it's gotta be able to breathe. You don't want yoga pants walking around. <laughs> the man bun, no. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then they're buying up all the bourbons and cheap beers. 
I don't get it. You got to have your fancy bourbon, but your cheapest beer. Okay. So now, I got Narragansett Lager is like the new hipster beer. What is it? Narragansett Lager. It's what the Quint drank in Jaws. Oh, wow. And he was talking like, talking like this and he crushed his can. Eating his salt saltine. But yeah. It was the guy from Tom, the, the juice guys, Nantucket Nectars. He sold his share of Nantucket Nectars and bought Narragansett Lager. And we were in Orlando over the summer. They were sampling out Narragansett Lager at Whole Foods. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, of all the beers you have, you're going to sample Narragansett Lager at Whole Foods. We were <laughs> buying por- porcini mushrooms, like fresh porcini mushrooms. I'm like, do I look like I want to eat, drink a Narragansett Lager? <laughs> That's excellent, actually. It's... I love that. I have a scotch recommendation for you. And wait for it. It's a blend. Okay. I know. Same, right? I was like, I'm not I'm not drinking that. And it's under 20 bucks. Black um, grouse. <laughs> this is when you get junkie status when you're buying scotch that's under uh, 20 bucks. But the guy sold it. He said, it's three-year-old Lagavulin. The back of it is three-year-old Lagavulin right. that didn't quite make it to the, you know, Lagavulin um, quality. Uh, so it's a blend. It's called White Horse, and it's delicious. It is really, really good. Um, I haven't – I had a couple bottles over the summer, but I haven't had it in a while. But I was really shocked to find uh, that bottle. Um, and for it to be under 20 bucks, I guarantee that it's going to go up, if not double in price, in the next couple years because it's really delicious. Wow. Like Pappy, people are like, oh, let's all drink it, and we're gonna charge off. You know what? Fifteen hundred dollars. Totally shouldn't say that. I'm forgetting that this is being recorded. Yeah, don't well, buy it's, it. It's so, awful. White Horse is awful. It's, don't ever drink it. It's made with. I don't know. I was gonna say something. Um, <laughs> well, so is this blasphemous? We were making old fashions steelhead fishing with Highland Park Black. It's about a hundred dollar bottle. But because my buddy is the ambassador for this area for uh, McAllen, Highland Park, and Grouse, we had a lot of whiskey to go through. So mm-hmm. he was act- he was standing in the river. He's swinging a-, a streamer, reaches into his wading jacket. You're using the Venturi. I heard that. I'm using the what? Did you just aerate your wine? Uh, yes. <laughs> the Venturi. Like, oh, my gosh. Rob, stop. <laughs> It's like you're so, right here watching yeah. me. It's Actually, you're, you are technically time traveling because I'm in the future. It's 7.51 p.m. right now. That's right. You are in the future. Yeah. Um, so so Andrew's out there swinging flies for steelhead, reaches into his uh, hand warming pocket in his waiting jacket and pulls out a actual glass of like McAllen 18 and starts drinking it. <laughs> I'm like, how do you wade out into a river and not spill a glass of scotch in your pocket? <laughs> that's that's just him. And it's a glass, which is awesome. Yeah. We drank a lot of whiskey on that trip. <laughs> it was good. Well, so not to bring up Cuba again, but let's talk about rum. Yeah, absolutely. I will always talk about rum. I've never, you know, never been a rum fan, you know, in high school or I'm sorry, when I was 21 and I drank Captain Morgan's, that was, you know, th- there's your rum experience. I've definitely had some good rums throughout the years, but never has it been my go-to. In Cuba, you drink rum. You don't oh, drink anything s- else. 
I mean, you can drink that stuff. I and mean, that's made from high quality um, molasses that they're making. You can drink that stuff just neat. So that's that's how we – well, we drink it with ice because it's blazing hot out there. Right. Uh, so much rum um, every night. And it's crazy because it's so smooth and, you know, you're not getting, you know, wasted on it maybe. Uh, but the next morning, you know, you're up at 7 and you're fishing all day long. No problem. Uh, get back, you know, you have your mojito, you have some dinner, and then you drink rum until you fall asleep. It It is the best rum I've ever had. You, I can't wait till we start carrying that up here. I have a nice Havana club that I got to bring because you can bring back uh, liquor and cigars now. Up to, I think, $400 value, I believe. Um, but I have a bottle that... When I have company, I hide it because they are not. Yeah. That is that is the most delicious rum. Um, but they have them. Um, like you stop on the bus, you know, you'd stop at these little, you know, um, uh, like convenient places, like whatever, to get like a snack or use the restroom. And they had uh, uh, rum in like juice boxes. No way. <laughs> yeah, I have one here. Um, so, you know, on when we were all driving back on the bus, like we're every time we got stopped, like we would just grab a juice box of rum and, you know, drink it on the bus. <laughs> That's the ep- epitome of convenience. It's really cool. It's a really cool culture. I... <laughs> yeah, rum. Mm. So we're going to complete the, the Reba Traveling Triangle here, and we're going to go back to North Carolina. Okay. What's going on December uh, 5th and 6th? December 4th and 5th. 4th and, so is that Thursday? It's a, No, it's a Friday, Saturday. Um, it's a the Friday, 4th Saturday. and 5th. Is it? Oh, my gosh. You have me scared. Now. Yeah. It's so 4th and 5th. Depending on the festivities of the Festival of Lights up here, <laughs> um, I think we're going to make it down. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great because you've been talking about coming down for a while. My wife has been talking about going to Asheville for 15 years. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, let I mean, me know for sure and I'll I'll, okay. I'll make your itinerary. Yes. <laughs> I need some I need some sexual chocolate bombers. That's uh, how beer yeah, goes that's gonna be hard know. to find. Yeah, that's gonna really? be hard to find. Oh, it's so hard to find. Really? Um on release day, it's gone by 10 a.m. And that's oh that's not Nashville. That's going to be in uh, that's Winston Salem. Okay. But you might there's there's enough craft brew shops in town that you might be able to find twenty ounces. Yummers. All right. So Western North Carolina Fly Fishing Show. How many years is this going to be? So this is our seventh year putting on this expo. Seven years now, and where's the location? So this is going to be at the Western North Carolina Agricultural Center. It's kind of our ex- exhibition complex. Um, it's right Do across we have to wear the street. Overalls. Uh, yes, you, it's mandated. You have to wear overalls. Overalls. Um, yeah, and it's right across the street from the Asheville Airport, which is nice. It's convenient. So there's hotels and everything for visitors. Uh, but yeah, we've done it there every year. This year was sold out so fast. Um, we have the largest. Uh, expo with 78 booths uh, showing Um, and some of those are multiple booths you know for companies I think we have over 50 different vendors Um, and a lot of new people which you know they called me like I didn't I didn't have to 
I didn't have to sell the show. Like people called me and said, I definitely want in. I'm hoping they heard last year's podcast and we're like, we got to go to that. <laughs> I did. heard it on Thank you, Rob. I, I owe you. Some people have mentioned it for sure. Some people have mentioned the podcast. Um, nice. You know, the companies are, you know, the, the manufacturers, of course, like Sims and Sage Rio, you know, the far bank contingent, um, mm-hmm. Orvis will be there. Scientific anglers, uh, all the fly shops. Gosh, we have I think thirteen fly shops showing this year. So, am I going to spend like four hundred dollars on tying material down there? Uh, you could. There's a guy. Um, he's called Stonefly Out. Or no, I'm sorry, uh, not Stonefly. Golden Roll Fly Shop. And we talked about him last time. He has four booths of nothing but tying materials. Uh, I like that. <laughs> Cro- Crooked, Crooked Creek Holler will be back. Yes, of course. Danny Reed will be there. He is just killing it. He's he's awesome. Like I've, he's a good friend, and I really appreciate and respect what he's doing. Uh, yeah. So he he will be there. Um, clutch fly rods. It's kind of a funny uh-huh. story. You know, I I select my speakers based on. Uh, people that have a connection to the Southeast and, you know, through shows and just like I met you, like I've been fortunate to meet some really great, respectable people. And so my speakers this year, you know, were kind of based on conversations I've had through the years with these people. So I think four, three or four of my speakers happen to be on the clutch fly rod I'm going to guess they're all like six foot two and minimum two fifty. <laughs> just, yeah, football. They're all the, football they're all the biggest dudes in the industry. Right. Um, like you, you shake their hands and you're like, where'd my little paw go? <laughs> so it's like shaking a, shaking hands with like a pack of bananas. They, and they're all great. They're, they're all yeah. really great speakers. So, you know, I called clutch, I called Lee over there and I was like, Hey, you don't know me. And I don't know if you know about my show, but here's my speaker lineup. I don't want to twist your arm, but you should probably be here. And so they're coming to the show, which they're new to it. Uh, well, um, gosh, we have so many this year. Hawk Island boats, there. uh, Tully boats, which are manufactured right there in Tennessee. They're, actually debuting their first drift boat design. Ooh. So excited for them. They, they make great uh, skips, but they're debuting for the first time their drift boat design. So super excited to that. Really happy for Todd Gregory that he's branching out. And uh, I'm expecting we're going to see Trad Little. Trad's going to be there. I actually need to reach that, out to him. Uh, that kid has been tying up I mean, he's always tied up insane stuff, but it's like, it's just getting better and better. It's like mutating. Like he should be on the X-Men and like as the tire, <laughs> um, like classic Atlantic salmon patterns. Yeah. He's got to be in what? Like fifth grade, maybe. Yeah. I think he was 12 last year. So he's what? 13. When I was 13, I, I was fishing, but I wasn't, I didn't need to know about tying flies. Yeah. That yeah, kid is, a- uh. Keep track of that name, folks. I was watching him his uh, casting a three weight on YouTube the other day, like the Orvis Superfine Glass or something. 
And he's all decked. He's got his sun hat on, being all protected. Because <laughs> most of us don't do that till we get older, and then it's too late. No, he is. He is the next. He is leading the next generation of flash yeah. fishing. That he is incredible, incredible. And the other tires that uh, might not have been there last year. Uh, well, we, our show is set up differently. Like we don't have like the tire booths, like, you know, like the big fly fishing show. Um, so each different booth that has, you know, a tying connection, they kind of have their own tires in. So I, I can't really say that, oh, so-and-so is going to be there. You know, it's, it's, it's set up just differently. I know Flyman is going to have some people in their booth. I believe travel is actually going to be tying out of the Flyman booth. Um, Michael Schmidt will there so he will be tying chris willen will be tying uh musky bugs i'm sure george will will sit and do some stuff we have a really strong local group of fly tires called the hilltop fly tires and they're just a bunch of guys that get together and they tie flies they've been doing this for years and years so we bring them in and we set up kind of this island where you just go and sit down and you just tell them whatever pattern you want to learn and they'll sit with you step by step and get you proficient. That's awesome. Yeah. So we, that's kind of the mission too, is to keep the show interactive. Uh, so our tying area, if you will, you know, doesn't have guys just sitting there tying all day. It's actually very interactive, and and we encourage people to take advantage of it. It's not, you know, it's it's for you to to learn something. It's not, you know, for you to just watch. Right. Right. And. Are you going to have any free time or are you going to be running around like a crazy woman? I'll be running around for those couple of days, but I'll be out there for a couple of weeks. And so I, you know, I have, I have a schedule of people I want to see and, uh, you know, visit some old haunts. And, and so for the show, you know, I'm, I mean, it's got right now because I don't have a job here in Bozeman. I can focus on this a hundred percent. And so everything's, I mean, we're almost on autopilot mode at this point. So when I get out there, you know, there's going to be some, a few things to take care of, but everything else is in place and in motion. So I'm hoping to show up and, and do my thing, do my, yeah, we, we, do my thing. We should get you those hoverboards that the kids are using these days. Right. Have you seen those? Yes. <laughs> it's like a segue without the, you can just go around in circles. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or just old school roller skates would be just fine. Oh, with the with the big red nub in the front for the brake. Totally, I would totally yeah. rock those. We were fishing uh, downstream from the sewage outflow under the bridge where the homeless guys like to. Uh, I don't. Know, there was like a pumpkin that they ate. Bizarre, <laughs> uh, but yeah, someone went. Someone came off the trail off the bridge with one of those, and I was like, man. So we have we have the Sino Canal in DC. It's like four hundred miles of of trail along water. I was like, I, I saw that lady. She, she went down the, the sidewalk with it. I was like, I need that for the Sino canal so I can look for carp without having to walk. <laughs> I could just go up and down the canal all day with my hover thing and look for tail and carp. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> but I'm so accident prone. I would probably fall in. <laughs> I did fall through the lock a couple weeks ago and almost broke a leg. Oh, I didn't really tell that story. Yeah. I fell between the the doors on the lock looking at a carp. Oh, 
gosh. I can't even explain it to you. You had to have been there. Rob, you know, we're getting older. You need to be careful. Yeah, I guess start drinking milk because I'm going to get brittle bones. <laughs> I need to eat, drink, eat some Boniva. <laughs> Take your supplements. Yes. It's almost time for, for to switch from uh, Little Mermaid gummies that my daughter eats to some Centrum Silver. <laughs> Just don't get them mixed up. You don't want her growing gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> She'll just cut it out with her scissors. She's done that before. Cut her own hair. Her new thing is one pigtail on the right side only. Of course. She goes to school. She's like, I just want one pigtail on this side. (laughs) With uh, a purple skirt over green pants and uh, this blue shirt that's got Boo the dog. He says he's the most cutest dog in the world, which I always thought was Mr. Winkle. (laughs) Y'all should look up Mr. Winkle. Um, yeah, she dresses herself. She's four. She looks like a crazy woman. So you just described almost to a T my seventh grade school picture. Really? <laughs> without the braces? I had, Without the braces, I had a side pony that was crimped. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss crimped hair. I kind of like it. Yeah. I was uh, A friend of mine did it like five years ago, and I was like, that looks pretty hot. <laughs> You might be the only person in the world that has said that out loud. Yeah. No, I don't think my wife would crimp her hair. I could cr- I'll crimp my hair for the show. Do it. It'll look it'll look like a uh, super classer. <laughs> have that same pattern to it. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. What's the entrance fee for the WNC show? So 15 bucks to get in the door, pretty standard. Um, if you do come on Friday, we honor uh, your ticket for Saturday. So you don't have to buy two tickets. Um, we've, hey now. we've done that every year, but we just haven't made um, a big fuss about it. And it's just kind of been, you know, kind of thanks for coming. Oh, by the way. Uh, so that, that's something we're doing. So 15 bucks, you get in there, you know, obviously you have the booths, you have the thing ponds, you have the tying clinics, the presentation, our barbecue. I know we got some great reviews from the barbecue last year. We met back. That's Appalachian Smoke. Uh, he's going to be there. There's a new nonprofit in the Carolinas called Cast Carolinas, and it's a nonprofit that was started by Star Nolan. And basically, it's providing retreats for women of uh, that have survived any cancer. Um, so they're going to be running the concession stand as a fundraiser. And I was really excited because she te- she emailed me the other day and said, Reba, what kind of beer should I stock for the concession stand? So I had a little say for what beer that they were going to sell. So concessions, beer, wine uh, will be there. Um, all the, you know, Trout Unlimited, the Federation of Fly Fishers, uh, Project Healing Waters, they're all going to be there as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we should know. I'll probably let you know in like a day or two. I uh, just got to find out. Maybe someone down there could watch our dog for us while we're at the show and at the hotel. It all depends on <laughs> my parents watching our dog. I'm sure someone else could watch Dr. Jones. He's well, a pretty easy guy. Well, you can bring the dog to the show. You can oh, bring he's the dog to public. the show. <laughs> you don't want him in there. He's he's a dumbass. Okay. He's not he, he, he still barks at my parents like he's never seen them before. <laughs> And this is a, sch- a schnauzer without a beanbag, so it's very high-pitched. So He is like 
he is socially unacceptable. You, you can't take him out to like happy hours on patios anymore. Oh gosh. He's just a dummy. So Asheville's super dog friendly. So you can probably find an Airbnb that's dog friendly that has kenneling okay. service. All right. It exists. Anything exists in Asheville. And he doesn't shed. He's got no toenails. Um, so I mean, he, you don't even know he's there. He sleeps in my daughter's bed all day at school. He likes the Elsa and Anna frozen comforter. <laughs> um, yeah, other than, other than like when someone walks in and like comes and goes, you don't even know we have a dog. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll find pet-friendly places in Asheville. It's very yeah. pet-friendly there. The wife does like to do the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. That actually could be a bit of a challenge. There's been some controversy with the Airbnb in Asheville. I don't, I don't know many details, Ruh-roh. but it's not something that um, I don't. I think they were trying to not allow it. Uh, so just, just a heads up. That's like canceling Uber at airports. <laughs> It cost me like $47 at ICAST to go from the airport to the hotel, and it was like a $7 Uber back. <laughs> they don't have Uber in Bozeman. I've, <laughs> I've had you to adjust. You could start being an Uber driver. Yeah, that's not going to happen, but... <laughs> you could drive people like from point A to point B on the river. That would be kind of be fun. like the river Uber. The river Uber. That would be yeah. a great idea for somebody else. <laughs> I got a lot of ideas that never take off, like the uh, tortellini sandwich on garlic bread. <laughs> My wife says that won't go anywhere. She said it's too much starch. Yeah, way too starchy. Too much gluten. Uh, yeah. They use the proper right. terms these days, too much gluten. We have gluten-free dog biscuits at the shop now. <laughs> I mean, are, are they made of beef? I mean, that's... <laughs> they actually smell pretty... They smell like um, wheat thins almost. I should just oh, eat wow. one. They look like like little like gingerbread man. I got my ginger my uh, my white white girl juice for tomorrow for my coffee. I switched from pumpkin spice creamer. I got gingerbread spice creamer. <laughs> my white girl juice. Yeah, I'm gonna wear my Uggs and my <laughs> spandex pants and my pants. North Face fleece and your man bun. <laughs> yes, it'd be a small bun though. I'm actually getting my hair cut professionally now. My barber has, he's Canadian. He got a palm print sized maple leaf on his throat tattooed. It is like huge, like, like, uh, like Lee Janik hand size. Wow. But yeah, I I go to the barbershop now and get it professionally done. The wife, wife likes me presentable. Well, support your local barber. It's dying. It's a dying artist. Are you going to bring the five weight out east with you? Uh, actually, I'm probably going to bring my seven for streamers, and I'll probably bring my musky rod. I'll probably bring the the ten weight. Uh, I think I'll do some musky fishing on the French Broad River. Uh, I'm hoping I want to do a French Broad. Dot dot dot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm probably not going to bring the five weight. Uh, to be honest. Um. I do like throwing streamers in the winter. Hell, I like throwing streamers any day of the year. So, yeah, so I'm hoping to do some of that. I probably won't. I don't think I'll trout fish much. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? And, of course, I can. Al- I always have access to rods from Hunter Bank. So I need something. Do you have to go in there and whip those young boys into shape? Be like, you've been slacking off? <laughs> you know... 
I felt really good when I left because I looked around and I thought, this is the best fly fishing crew that a shop could have. And it was, I felt pretty confident that they're, they're doing a great job and the future of Hunter Banks will be very strong and viable because of them. Those guys definitely had a knack for picking out, um, women of the oldest profession when we were in Lancaster. I don't know if they were joking with me, but they're like, they were calling out women at the bar. Rob, she's a pro. I totally taught him that. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine what happened in Cuba then. Some oh my guys gosh! Out of yeah, town. I, don't want, I don't really want to talk about that. That's very interesting. Very interesting this, culture down there. It's in your when, face. When this boat's a rocking. Well, it wasn't on the boat, but in Havana, I mean, it was. It was quite impressive, actually. Like, yes. wow, there's a lot of really old men hanging out with their daughters at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> in the lobby. That's crazy. It's so well, nice. A guy, came, <laughs> a guy came into the shop today with this. I just assumed it was his daughter. I was like, oh, look, your dad's ch- checking out a really nice uh, jacket there. And I wanted to be pausing and being like, should I have said that? <laughs> yeah, and Cuban women, Cuban people are beautiful. Gosh, they're just beautiful. Uh, yeah, so lots of daddy-daughter dates. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else can we talk about? I got to wrap this up. It's it's so six o'clock where you are. I know. I'm good at math. You're in you're in the future. Yeah. So I think um, we'll definitely have to podcast the WNC show while I'm down there. It, I mean, it's like seventy five percent sure we're coming. We need a we didn't take a vacation this year. What? We went to the Jersey Shore for two days. What do you What do you need to seal the deal? Um. If my parents are not having a Hanukkah party on the 5th. So if you want to call Didi and be like, listen, Mrs. Snow White, you're going to have to put the latkes on hold. Put, put the Manischewitz down. If you don't you're let gonna... Rob go, I'm going to be verklempt. Yeah. That might be the only word I know. But if I bring her back some some grits or something from North Carolina, she'll be happy. Even though they were just down there in... Uh, I think in Asheville, their friends have a place out there between Greensboro and Asheville. Okay. My parents are, are quite That's familiar quite with the North Carolina. Yeah, they're retired. I mean, they've got a Tesla. It goes pretty fast. Not my parents. <laughs> the other, you know, my parents have like a, a Prius. It's not fast at all. <laughs> pretty zippy little. 50 miles yeah, a gallon. They wanted me to drive, like drive it one night. And I was like, I, I can't even see out of this thing. Like, you can't even see the front of the Prius. <laughs> and I was like, and then you got like the, the wind, it beeps when you back up. I was like, this is just too weird. <laughs> there was a, a, somebody told me the story. I wish I knew who told me that they're in Livingston, Montana. And they saw one of those little um, mini Coopers. Mm-hmm. That had a Titan rod vault on it. <laughs> That's too funny. That's like I like seeing a Miata with a trailer hitch. Yeah, right. Um, I was sitting at a, one of the one of the lodges, um, hanging out with some buddies, and there was a guy in a little uh, what are they? The Honda CRVs, those little mini, those minis. Um, <laughs> That's what I have. Right. Well, but he was he was towing a drift boat. 
And it was like, wow. That's me. Like, this is what Montana. I'm, I'm sorry, Rob. Was it you? <laughs> but, oh, this, the, the, my boat now is in the driveway. Because remember, last year, I oh, I, no, this year, earlier, I had uh, one person slash the cover. Oh, my uh, gosh. Someone else threw dog poop bags in it while the cover was being re- remade. Uh, somebody stole my license plate. What else? Maybe oh, someone burned a hole in the new cover with a cigarette. So you should be a better neighbor, maybe. Well, this is when we lived in Annandale. We're out in Fairfax now. Okay, well. You, Have you read the, uh, the the book Into the Wild? Uh, a long time ago. I Shock. saw the movie. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, Chris McCandles was from right over here. Oh, the, okay. Yeah. So it was, he went to the high school up the street. It's probably him. Uh, the high school that just had the big fire. I, the chemistry chemistry teacher knocked something over and like severely burned like five kids. Oh gosh. I was, I was looking out my window and I'm like, why are these helicopters all around the high school? And oh gosh. For now there's like this big fire. So you're not allowed to use Bunsen burners anymore in the county. It's un- until further notice. No Bunsen burners. God, one teacher ruins it for everybody. Yeah. Nobody was wearing uh, eye protection or aprons. Ugh. Come on, people. Bunsen burners. This is yeah. a rite of passage in high school. I wouldn't let my kids use scissors when I was a teacher, so there's no way Bunsen burners would have ever been used. <laughs> I light my candles in Montana with a Bunsen burner while I drink my Spanish Rioja. <laughs> Absolutely. It's amazing. Amazing, I'm single, right? <laughs> the nerd. Well, you're having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. It is. Yeah, Life I have to fun. like. I have to ask, like, hey, um, I don't have clients on Saturday. Do you mind if I go to the pub to watch like a soccer match and then go fishing? And I'm gonna bring you back like a six pack of craft beer on the way home and a bottle of whiskey, and then it's like, oh, okay, you can go. Yeah. <laughs> this the thing. The thing yeah, on my left hand. Is the world's that. smallest handcuff. <laughs> now, my my wife's pretty cool. When we first started dating, she said, uh, "She said I'll, I'll never say no if you need to go fishing." I was like, "All right." I should have had her write it down and sign that, but yeah, yeah. It's... She, she doesn't complain about the smell. Sometimes the fish tank smells. My snail was just attacking my crane fly larva tonight twice. I had to separate the snail, and he came back. Good and Lord. she's cool with the tank. Yeah. She's cool with me using the mopping bucket to to uh, get, like, you know, creek water and fill the tank. <laughs> Do you have an aerator in there with that's generating Yeah, oxygen? so uh, the aerator, it has, um, like, plastic mesh around it, so mm-hmm. chunks don't. All my scuds live in that. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, they're that's just really cool. Weird. That's really cool that you have that in there. Yeah. And your little man, your man, uh, your mop. I have not, I have not unpacked since we went steelhead fishing. It's still, it's a disgusting mess in here. Hey, Rob. Yes. I caught my first wild steelhead this year on a spay rod oh. in Idaho. And oh my goodness. So it, let's hear about that. It was, How did that go with an hour and a half without knowing this? Yeah. I forgot to mention that. And I caught my first muskie this year too, which you already knew that. So it's been a, it's been a pretty incredible year for catches. Um, uh, I'm just going to sum it up really quickly. It was dumb luck. I've never been spay fishing before. Um, so I'm taking a lesson and it happened and it happens, you know, like, right, you know, right there when you're like, okay, I, I, 
kind of get this. Like, okay, that cast wasn't so bad. Boom, hook up. And the, the person I was with is just shaking his head like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I just smile like, like, sorry. <laughs> wow. I, I couldn't fully appreciate you- it because it was dumb luck. I'm going to say skills. Yeah, well, I'm going to say dumb luck. <laughs> what what fly did it take? Um, I don't know steelhead flies at all. I mean, it took uh, something. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It was a small little streamer. I mean, it was, wasn't was anything that I even remembered. I just remembered it had like a chartreuse kind of bar at the tail, maybe. My, my new theory is that fish are like babies. They put everything in their mouth, and if it happens to be your fly and you feel it, you set the hook and it connects. We've been watching the underwater world of trout, and there's so much crap that floats down a river that could or could not be food that they just have to put everything in their mouth. Yeah. And you just happen to find the one that was like, oh, let me try what this is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, steelhead are quite brilliant. I was quite smitten by their story and the fact that I'm sitting in this river, you know, waiting with this giant rod and this fish has just swam up from the ocean to spawn. That freaking far. That far. What that fish has gone through. Like I wouldn't even want to drive that. It's a long flight. (laughs) Something swam up there maybe more than once. And then it's going to go back. And yeah, that's just insane. And to touch it, to feel it, to be a part of it, it was just, it was a moment. It was a moment. And, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm excited. Uh, but it's, it was truly dumb luck. And it was like, okay, there you go. Now go for it. Like really get into it. Uh, be a proficient caster, you know, know the history um, so it, it's kind of nice because that's not something that you get back east is a lot of spay opportunity, especially in the southeast. So that's kind of the new direction that I want to not focus on, not focus solely, of course. But it's this is why I love fly fishing. There's always a new skill set to learn. You're never going to be an expert at anything. Like there, you, it's constantly learning. And so right now I'm shopping for spay rods and nice, pretty fun <laughs> to think about. I, I do kind of have my eyes set on an H2 11 foot eight weight switch, but that's never going to happen because I just would only fish it rarely. Yeah. Um, and there, and it's, it's a totally different league too. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I can tell you, you know, all about high modulus graphite and you know, whatever, when it comes to spay fishing, like I, I'm just clueless. There's more math Yeah, I'm clueless. It's a lot and, of ge- geometry and physics. Uh, it's it's super exciting. You know, it, it's it's hard being new. I will say, like even coming to Bozeman and and not having a community, not having even people to rely on, um, or to ask for help, if you will. Um, being new is is hard. It's it's kind of a rumble, and you know, it's not a settling feeling. And so what better time to take up something new <laughs> than when I'm already feeling kind of that intimidation. Yeah. So um, that's the the new challenge. You know, a year from now, if we do this, you know, I might say I hate spay fishing and moving back to North Carolina <laughs> and focusing on bass, getting a circle boat and F it. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question will be, uh, what's next? 
What's next for what's Reba's next for Adventures? Reba Brinkman? Yeah, so you, after WNC. You know, we shall see, Rob. Um, I, you know, I, I don't see myself working in the fly shop and doing that again. Though I loved it, you know, best years of my life for sure uh, in career. Um, you know, there's some big companies here in Bozeman. And there are companies that support the same values that I have. You know, conservation, you know, the support of education. Uh, quality products for anglers. I would really like to think that I can take the next level or take the next step into getting into that side of things. You know, I, I feel like I know the consumer really well. Um, I've connected with the consumer, you know, from novice to, you know, very experienced. Um, certainly have done some travel and, and got to meet, you know, kind of a, a different perspective as well. So, I think my skill set will lend itself well to some of the manufacturers that are based right here in Bozeman. I like the sound of that. Or there's a Costco here and I can be a greeter. Costco's got some good benefits. <laughs> exactly. No, my family's upset that, you know, we're, we've always been Coca-Cola people, not Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> and they switch from Coke to Pepsi. And and my dad and I, we like to go to Costco <sighs> and shop and, and they get lunch. So and, and he's upset about the whole Pepsi thing. Oh, and it's tragic. Well, I didn't know this, but they only take one credit card. So, Amex. So this year it's Amex, but next year it's going to be Visa. It makes my life easier because I always have, well, I always try to do the hundred dollar challenge. I spent eighty two bucks there the other day because I did not buy another case of Mexican Coca Cola. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's the only place I write a check. Got a check? I don't even know what those are. Um, yeah, I just I went. I actually got a membership to buy a couch, but they sold out of the couch that I wanted. So I get only thing I get there is Big Sky organic coffee. In Rioja. In Rioja. Yeah, the DC one carries liquor. Yeah, well, rub it in. Yeah. Well, it's it's far. <laughs> My dad's like, he's like, hey, uh, you want to take a road trip? And we're talking like from Virginia all the way across DC, <laughs> like halfway to Annapolis. Just to go get liquor. I was liquor. like, I'm down. I'm down. So we have Kirkland rum upstairs. Yes. Yeah. All right. So where where can we find WNC online, and where can we find you on? Uh, we'll go with Instagram. Well, WNC is WNCFlyFishingExpo.com. Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, uh, so you can find us there. Um, as for me, I. Uh, a friend of mine gave me the nickname, I'm a Bereba, which is, um, I'm a believer, but he sings it like the Justin Timberlake song, like, I'm going to, I'm a Bereba. So I am, I am a B-E-R-E-B-A, something like that. Anyway, you can find me under Reba Brinkman. There we go. And my Instagram Reba. is full of just randomness. Well, we like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Reba, hopefully I'll see you after uh, Turkey Day. About what's two weeks away is the the show? Yes. Fantastic. Yes. All right. Well, I will let you go. Enjoy your evening. Um, I'm sure Seinfeld's coming on now or something at 630. I don't know. I don't know what they do out west at this time. Yeah, I don't have TV, so I'm going to stare at my wall. (laughs) I I can give you uh, some passwords for the iPhone if you want to watch some TV. Oh. Just don't mess with my DVRs. Pretty- <laughs> we won't do that. 
Um, it's, it's mostly like kid movies. Babe, Babe Pig in the City, <laughs> Beethoven, Beethoven 2. Well, I learned, you know, YouTube, you can get, you know, full-length full movies. So I've been watching, like, yeah. The Fox and the Hound, my favorite movie ever. <laughs> um, but no, Rob, seriously, thank you for always being supportive of what we do and being a part of the fishing community. And thanks for this opportunity. Absolutely. It's always fun hanging out with you on the phone, yeah. on the Skype. I've been, I've been meaning to give you a call. I'm like, well, I gotta, we got to do a catch-up, especially with you out west. Yeah, and I told you probably a fraction of it. There's some good There's some good stories that we'll, we'll talk about yeah. when you when you visit. Absolutely. All right, I'll, I'll send a text to Didi right now and be like, latkes are off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no worries. We can make latkes anytime. The Festival of Lights is seven, seven to eight days, so there's time to make up. Yeah, you guys will be fine. Yeah. Cool. All right. Looking forward Thank to you it, so Rob. Much. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This has been a production of Freestone Media.